and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the podcast where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron, uh, joined as always by my wonderful host, James. And I must say that was a very hearty hello. Uh, you know, it was Tis a hearty the season. It is the season. We are recording this uh, around the Christmas holiday. Um, do you know how many days are left until Christmas? I don't, but I do know the you have significance. A number of days left. What? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Are you doing a bit? No. I mean, there are only nine days till Christmas. That's not true at all. But it is December nine. It is December nine. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna point that out, uh, and not make a joke about how there are nine days left till christmas there, there are not. not there are um, more why, why did we bring up uh the number nine well we're doing the movie nine uh not to be confused with the short film nine but this is a feature-length film that was based on that short film and also isn't there a isn't there a musical called nine there is we should be really we clear clari- that yeah, we, we are really, doing really clarify that that daniel day lewis has nothing to do with this no, movie that movie was no. fine uh well, this you know, this movie is also fine. Um, well, maybe a little better than fine. Uh, yeah, we well, we should say this is stylistically it is represented as the numeral nine, whereas the musical, I believe, is the word nine, N-I-N-E. Um, another distinguishing we... factor is that this is an animated film from two thousand nine. It has is animated in the sense that the characters uh, are animated, as in lively. All right. Well, let's just jump in um, uh, with with some background about this film, if you're yeah. ready. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I was gonna talk more about nines, like different movies. Uh, would you like to Would you like to spin off and make this episode about the musical nine? No, I'm not. I'm not prepared to do that. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen mind. that movie since whenever it came out, like a decade ago or more. Uh, all right. Well, uh, numerical movie nine of 2009. Uh, so this is, as you mentioned, uh, it's based on a short film also called nine, um, which was uh, written and directed by Shane Acker. Um, and that was while he was a student at UCLA. Um, this short film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Um, it gained attention, obviously, uh, and caught the eye of studios um, who allowed Acker to direct a feature-length film. So this movie, Nine, is a, an expanded version of his student film. And so lots of the themes, the imagery, uh, the plot elements, the short film, um, it, it doesn't really have a plot. It's kind of this character exploring the space. Uh, but what plot elements there are kind of remain the same. Um, this version, the theatrical version, just greatly expands upon them. Uh, this was an idea that Shane Acker had in his head. Uh, the movie does have a couple other writing credits, though. Um, so he was joined by a couple other writers to flesh things out. This was also noticed most particularly by Tim Burton, who produced this movie. I purposely left this outline Burton-free, but I see you decided to just really... Just... I, I noticed that you left the outline Burton-free, and I was I going to confront you about that in front of all the world to hear. Uh, the reason I did that was because uh, I, while I was doing the outline and researching, I found a real think piece about how Nine is a vehicle for all of Tim Burton's themes and ideas, uh, and I yeah. wanted to fi- find the person in real life uh, and do horrible things to them oh yeah is it because you're afraid they might be true because (laughs) i think that this movie like i wouldn't say reeks of tim burton 
But when I, it's the kind of thing, if you read that he was involved, I, I'm just not at all surprised. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not surprised either. Um, I, I, I just, I'm not a giant fan of Tim Burton, especially in his later uh, career. Yeah. Um, I, he's a little, he's a little, I wouldn't, he's been left out too long. He, he went bad a while ago. I wouldn't call. Yeah. I think he, I think the last good movie, well, the last movie of his that he made that I think is worth a damn is Sweeney Todd. Um, I, I, I would, you know, if you ask me, are you overall a fan of Tim Burton? I would say, sometimes i would agree i would say early tim burton um yeah primarily, but... or i just leave the room yeah or, or you yeah or you just gun down whoever asked you the question <laughs> well, yeah. um no 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 violence um so this movie was very cleverly released on september 9 2009 999 um this film was uh, produced by focus features uh which is a film or i'm sorry a studio that i don't really know much about uh, but their first major film was Coraline. Um, so obviously uh, they have a type of dark, uh, kind of gritty ch- children-adjacent media. Um, hopefully one day we'll do Coraline. I really enjoy the movie Coraline. I, I like that movie. I think it's better than this one. I agree. I think it's much, uh, I, I won't say much better, but I think it's definitely better uh, yeah. than Nine. Um, financially, this movie was successful. <laughs> I'm going to put a question mark there. Um, it made $48 million on a $30 million budget. So by most people's measure, they would say that's a success. But Hollywood has a really weird definition of uh, financial success. Because uh, yeah. I, I often see movies where uh, it's like, oh, you know, part one of this intended series, you know, the budget was $100 million and it only made $180 million, So they're not going forward. And it's like, yeah, but it made an $80 million profit. Um, yeah, and I would say that a lot of movies that are successful, especially like animated movies have this kind of like air of success that you that even like, if you're paying even the slightest bit of attention, I think to media, which I do and which I had been doing at this time when I was watching tons of films in college, you can kind of tell when a movie's being successful when a movie is successful or when people are really into it. And I remember reading reviews and seeing the trailer and getting really excited about this. And then I, I got less excited. I think I read a couple reviews and then I like rewatched the trailer and I was like, I don't actually know if I'm much interested in this. And then it kind of fell off my radar, but I would say that this movie wasn't successful from a, does the, does the, do audiences demand a sequel? Do they want or care about a sequel? And I would say no, no. No. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And to, you know, I think that this movie has unfortunately like not a lot of staying power, uh, which is weird, even though like as unique as it is, like we can we'll talk about it later. But like, I think the visuals are pretty much what everyone remembers this movie for and kind of maybe the tone and the color palette. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's like crying themselves to sleep over like what happens to two. Yeah. And and there's a, I mean, you're releasing a PG 13 animated film. It's, it's like back in that time and maybe even still today, if it's not obviously gear for kids and it's like G or PG or if it's just not obviously geared for adults and it's R, like audiences didn't know what to do with it. I mean, Coraline was PG and it was very clearly aimed at kids. This was less so. 
And Coraline is also kind of dark, but this was just, it was very clearly marketed more towards kids and that Nightmare Before Christmas loving crowd. Okay, can I suggest one fix that would have fixed everything, I think? Make Um, this PG because it's not, I don't understand why this was PG-13. No, just make this an indie film. Why was this mainstream? Well, I think Focus Features has been, has like, been in indie film works for i mean either they they at least were um, they were but like this was very clearly going after like a big mainstream release. right i mean you're plastering tim burton's name in yeah. the trailer i mean clearly seems... you're going for going big and i think that was a mistake i agree with yeah you. which is highly misguided i think this movie would have worked better and we're already kind of getting ahead of ourselves but that's fine uh while i'm thinking of it uh like make this an indie film with a way smaller budget and just do like either stop motion or just honestly do like string puppets. <laughs> yeah, Shane, my boy, like, do this for less money, you, you fool. I, this is only like your passion is animation. You got to tell the guy to well, do string puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know, like it's such a curious collision of like this medium wasn't right. I don't think for this story, like I think a, a different medium would have been better. Um, but the problem is like, that's what he went to school for, you know, like, so it's, you kind of have to anyway. Yeah. He'd be like, how about you go fuck yourself? Yeah. That's what he would say. Everything you've learned in school, throw it out the window to make your dream project. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is a kind of a, uh, like a very confusing film on a lot of levels. And like you said, critics and critics and audiences didn't really know what to make of it. Uh, the, the results, or I'm sorry, the response is kind of just like a, what? Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people, critics and audiences, uh, they really glommed onto the visuals, to the direction. I think there are some really great action scenes, uh, mm. sequences in this film. Kind of the art style, um, those things uh, gained a lot of notoriety and a lot of um, attention. Um, but everything else, the plot uh, kind of isn't really talked about. Um, the other thing that isn't talked about that I think is kind of interesting when I was looking up uh, reactions to this film is uh, the cast isn't really talked about a ton. No. Um, like the Tim Burton connections talked about a lot. The visuals are talked about a lot. Shane Acker is talked about a lot. Um, but the, the actual cast um, isn't really discussed. And I think it's actually a phenomenal cast and they kind of all nail it. It's a good cast, but I think that's also with hindsight. Think about it like this. And this is how I, I thought about it when I when I saw your note on the cast is that Elijah Wood, you're catching him too late after Lord of the Rings hype. This is 2009. Return of the King came out in 2003. John C. Riley, you are, you like John C. Riley if you are watching Adam McKay comedies or Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Well, it's a weird. Wreck It Ralph isn't out yet. Like people don't know John C. Riley. He's extremely talented, but. It's like a weird subdued John C. Riley. And what do you think that the overlap is between the audience of this movie and the audience who's really into a beautiful mind to get was, that Jennifer I, Conley, you know, oh, I would say I virtually you, I, no one. Yeah. Also Jennifer Conley. Like, I think she, you know, I think again, I think everyone plays their part very well, even though these characters are maybe a little simple. Um, but Jennifer Conley, like she plays her part. Well, it's just like, sure. I don't think she has like a striking voice. Like I, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't immediately like, Oh, it's Jennifer Conley. Yeah. I, I, that was, I, I didn't know it was her either. And I would say like, I mean, Elijah Wood is a pretty recognizable voice. Like Christopher Plummer is pretty recognizable. Yeah. He's a great actor, but I, I, to me, this script doesn't give anything outstanding for anyone to do. 
and it's do it, Elijah Wood has done plenty of like look out and no no and yeah. you know like in his Elijah Wood voice uh you know what I mean like I, I just don't think that this is giving is giving very talented people not that much to do I think that and that was one of my biggest problems with this I just felt very underwhelmed especially because there's some bigger ideas that I thought were extremely interesting and I think that my biggest takeaway will be the animation and that and that's exactly it and I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway in a lot of reviews um is it's a lot of like uh, we don't know what to make of this but yeah. like looks cool and has some interesting ideas um I'm glad this film exists yeah um, me too but I, I I don't think it's like one of the greats uh I definitely if it was like this or Coraline Coraline would win every time I love the story of just a guy who was a student who made a student film that got nominated for an Oscar it got attention he got a chance to make a, a you know a feature-length film and I mean, that makes me happy that he was able to do it. I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me that this movie, I wouldn't, I would certainly wouldn't call this movie bad. No, it's no. just, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, yeah, I, well, it's okay, solid. We, at times. we can move, yeah. we can, we can move on, but just yeah. while we're talking out loud, it's never going to happen. But what I, what I would love is in a perfect world, or if I were an eccentric billionaire, uh, I would love to give Shane Acker, like, here's $500 million um remake this movie um like your masterpiece however with all of the knowledge um, and experience you have acquired in your now many years in hollywood um and you know you've honed your craft as a director i would mm -hmm. like make it now um, so so i would take what you're doing and this i this maybe sort of steps on fan fiction corner though i didn't have it written down for my like my my responses to fan fiction corner is that i, I would kind of do what you're saying but i would i would do a bunch of i would like have netflix throw him some money um have a season that starts with just a bunch of not sh like miniature shorts i would say like half hour episodes that cover each one of the characters in this movie separately waking up somewhere and and it's basically every all the episodes are like first nine episodes are them finding their way or i guess first eight because the twins are together finding their way to each other and then have the series continue from there with them all together. I would be interested to see minimalist storytelling in the sense that very little dialogue or virtually no dialogue and just having these characters navigate these beautiful environments. Well, beautifully like tragic environments. Um, and just, I, I think you can do some really cool storytelling with that sort of format, like half hour or shorter. That's an intriguing idea. Um, that's an intriguing idea. I don't know how I feel about it based on how paper thin the plot kind of is. Yeah, you would have to flesh it out a little bit. You can only go so far. Like after like, you know, the seventh episode of character walking through the wasteland. I mean, you'd have to get creative and do something else. Right. Or just have to really vary up their experiences. Again, I did. I, I only thought of this in this very moment. But no speaking of experiences, uh, tell me about your experience with this film. I, I dabbled on it a little bit. I mean, I was aware of it. I've been aware of it for a while. Um, oh, you, and then you, it just you dabbled in nine. You've, it you've disappeared. It disappeared from my life when I decided I wasn't going to see it. And then obviously it disappeared from like every the whole world. And the first time anyone in my life ever brought it up again was you probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. Yes. Um, so I'm glad we're coming back to it now. The one thing I want to note now, because I don't know what else to say it, is that this is one of two trailers, well, three trailers that I remember 
a lot from like the late college. Well, I guess like, I don't know, maybe. Okay. There's, there's a lot more than just three trailers, but there were like, there were two trailers more particularly, I guess maybe three that of would had really good music, but ended up being less than great movies. And in sucker punch's case, a fucking terrible movie. <sighs> this trailer had welcome home by Coed and Cambria, which I was, I was listening to Coed and Cambria all throughout high school and college. I love that band. And that had my attention. Um, and then when I watched this movie, and I think I kind of got this feeling when I like rewatched the trailer a bunch of times back in the day, I was like, I don't know if this, this song actually fits whatever is happening in this movie. And then when, again, when you watch it, it's like this, the song is way too exciting for what's actually happening in this movie. And I don't, I don't <laughs> think it fits very well. Um, and the other trailer I was thinking about is Watchmen, though I went through a lot of weird emotions with that movie. I thought the trailer of that movie was excellent. I thought the movie did a lot of musical and visual things well uh, and did a lot of other things really horribly. But this is not a Watchmen episode. It is not. Um, yeah, so I first saw this movie like years and years and years ago. Um, and I... In college, I was an English major and I was a religious studies minor. Um, so as part of those classes, we would often watch, um, you know, when we would watch movies, they'd be uh, very dense, um, like intense movies with a lot of symbolism going on. So like 2001 A Space Odyssey, for example, um, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a mind for weird esoteric movies that probably have more going on under the surface than, you know, it at first seems. Like Eraserhead. Like, <laughs> like Eraserhead. Uh, yeah, um, like anything by our, our old pal DL. Um, but this movie, like it, it presents as that. Uh, and I think there are things going on in this movie under the surface that are worth discussing. Um, and I, I won't say this is an example of like style over substance. Um, I almost feel like it's uh, like a store. Well, I guess it is style over substance. A little but- bit. I just feel but like not for a lack of trying. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's exactly it. Um, it's like, I feel like Shane Acker had more ideas, but I feel like the studio, and this is entirely my own headcanon. I don't know if this is true. No, th- th- well, I, I'm sh- I share this headcanon. I, n- I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. At. I feel like he wanted more ideas and Tim Burton slash studio pushback was like, no more action, more dark, creepy imagery. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there is a good movie buried in mm-hmm. here somewhere. And I feel like the art direction and the style, uh, it's interesting enough um, to be worth a watch. Um, so yeah. I've seen this movie eh, like a couple, a handful of times now. And every time I watch it, I'm glad I watched it, but it's certainly the kind of movie that I can only really see every several years. Well, you clearly, there's something's in it that's bringing you back each time. And I look forward to kind of being able to diagnose that uh, as we talk about this a little bit more. Yeah, but um, shall we just jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, yeah, this plot um, is, you know, you said it, there's not a ton of dialogue. Um, there's there's it, not many beats either, really. There's, there's not a lot of beats. You could almost describe it as um, not, not exactly like a road movie, um, but almost like just like an Odyssey film. We're like, we're going from place to place. We only return to places maybe once or twice. 
Um, Odyssey also, I think, would get people's hopes up a little bit. It's oh, it's true. it's definitely a little less than that. Yeah. So the uh, the film opens with it's a stroll. Um, yeah, it's like a stroll through a hellscape. <laughs> it's a thrill, yeah. it's a stroll through a hellscape. Um, but uh, the film opens with someone unseen off camera. Uh, they're talking about humanity, uh, saying that our pursuit of technology have doomed us, that we have squandered our human intelligence uh, and our potential. As this voiceover is going on, uh, we see him putting together a sackcloth doll, which he labels with a number nine. Um, these dolls uh, in the community, uh, and when you read about this, uh, this film, are called stitch punks. Um, if you think I'm going to use the term <laughs> stitch punk after now, you are out of your goddamn mind. I um, do not expect that of you. Would you would you describe this film as steampunk? No, no, not no. at all. I mean, not it, it, it's, it's not in the slightest. Not at all. There's it no is, steam anywhere. Yeah, we'll explain exactly what this movie is in a second when we find out what happened to the world. Yeah, I mean, this is have, our world. I like, have to go on a I, I have to go on a steampunk uh, tangent here. Oh yeah, steampunk uh, rant corner. Let's do steampunk it. Steampunk rant. First of all, there's a very specific definition of what steampunk means, and it's literally just an alternate history where steam power took precedence over electrical power. That is it. Steampunk does not mean stupid goggles, stupid hats, stupid clothes. Um, but for some reason, like steampunk constantly gets wrapped up into those things. Also, conversely, media where people wear stupid goggles and stupid hats and stupid clothes and the design <laughs> elements of some things are fucking stupid, um, but does not feature steam powered anything. Guess what, everyone? That's not steampunk. <laughs> Um, if there's one style that can just go away and die forever, it's steampunk. Well, I, just, uh, I would love a vigorous defense of steampunk in any way, shape or form. I'm sure people have it. You're not going to hear it from me. I, I, if you, if there's like a, a piece of clothing or an item of some sort that combines two or more of wood, cloth and metal, people are like, that's steampunk. No, it's not. It is not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's yeah, but you're absolutely right. Uh, so goggles. These, I, I love that you said goggles. It's goggles. It's always fucking those goggles. And that uh, stick these characters' out from your eyes face. look like goggles. They look like the goggles, right? No, and, but guess what? They're not powered by steam. They're powered by. Well, we'll get to it. Uh, I also think that if you, if you see a wasteland and you see smoke of some sort, you're just like, hmm, steam. No, steampunk. Yeah. No. Yep. Or if you um, see like some hooligans, I mean that's not in this movie. Like, it, like I think the Warriors is steampunk because there are some punks, and I'm pretty sure there's smoke and or steam. I would <laughs> actually argue that the that Warriors movie. more steampunk than a lot of things that are. I would agree completely. Uh, all right. Anyway, I love of, that. Thank you. Yeah. Speak well. It it transitions nicely because uh, it is not a steampunk world. It's not powered by steam. Um, however, there is a mysterious energy source in this world, um, and uh, that comes in the form of like this stone that we see with some alchemical uh, symbols. Uh, we see this stone. I'm only going into a lot of detail about this opening because it's kind of important to what goes on later. Yeah. Um, we see this. This I'm going to call it the alchemical stone. I see different write-ups about this movie called talisman. It. Is what is that's yeah. what I was going to call it because that's what Nine calls it. I'm going to call it an alchemical stone. You can call it. You could, yeah, sure. Feel free to use more uh, um, syllables so, than you need. Yeah. <laughs> so we see him affix this uh, this stone. Um, 
to a machine where the lifeless body of nine is kind of splayed out in front of it. Uh, and then we get some green glowing energy and then cut to uh, the, you know, the title screen nine. Um, again, I only went into a lot of detail because this will make sense later. Um, so nine played by Elijah Wood wakes up in the, this room in voice um, form. Yes. Not motion capture, not no, actually, live action. This um, is animated. Uh, Elijah and, Wood was such a method actor. He had a portion of his soul transferred into uh, a, a sackcloth puppet to really just embody the role. Well, we don't know anything about souls yet. So I suppose. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Uh, uh, but yeah. this, this puppet uh, played by Elijah Wood, uh, nine, wakes up. Um, he is in the room where we are going to call this unseen character the scientist. Um, the scientist is lying dead. We do. We only kind of see him obscured on the floor by some papers. Um, and what I really like about this is um, it doesn't necessarily dwell on the scientist and yes. it doesn't dwell on him from a human scale. Um, yep. Everything is shot from nine's scale, from his perspective. And so immediately we kind of see the scale at which this movie will play at. Um, the room is an ordinary size. It's actually kind of maybe like a small cramped room if you were a human. Um, but because not, we're following nine, it's kind of cavernous. Yes. Um, so nine leaves um, and he sees kind of a ruined cityscape or rather we kind of get this shot that shows uh, that there is definitely a war happening here. Yeah. Um, nine takes the talisman with him. Um, nine also realizes that he cannot speak. He can see, but he is missing some kind of uh, part of him that will allow him to speak. Um, so then what happens? How does our friend nine gain the ability to speak? Uh, well, nine runs into another doll too. Um, this is like a inventor type. I think Martin Landau is the voice yes. actor here. Um, <clears throat> the other Tim Burton actor. Yes. Um, he kind of like gives nine the ability to speak. Um, and they're very soon interrupted by this kind of like hybrid machine animal, um, hunter, I know is it like cat like or something um, that takes the talisman, the alchemical stone um, and takes two away in, in its mouth. Um, and right. Yeah. It captures two. Yes. It captures yes, two. It does. Yes. And then um, who finds two? Is it, or sorry, who finds nine? Is it, is it five? We're going to, it's going to sound so annoying to people. Oh, you know what? You're about. right. I think you know five, right. five it's, finds, uh, nine. Yes, it's the John C. Riley. Yes, John C. Riley finds Elijah Wood and takes him to meet the rest of those dolls. Yes, um, this is where we can kind of do some like speculation headcanon stuff. I have seen uh, in different writings that they're the cathedral that they're in is Notre Dame. Um, I don't know that that's true. Uh, I, I don't know if that's verified by like certain markings or statuary or the design of it. I um, wasn't paying close enough attention to that. To... I, I don't think it matters. I think it's, I, I think it'd be weird if we're like, we're in France, I guess. Um, I yeah. don't think it matters, um, but it's, it's just kind of interesting. I think the city is kind of supposed to be based on just an anonymous European city. Yes. But so, so, at the cathedral, nine meets uh, some of the other dolls. So the John C. Riley character, five, um, notably has a patch over where one of his eyes would be. Yes. Um, I think we see a flashback where he lost one of his eyes when he was saved by the leader of these dolls, which is one. Uh, well, he made himself the leader. Uh, one is played by Christopher Plummer. He is yes. kind of like that old curmudgeon-y uh, would-be like, leader. 
um, who is pretty fearful of the outside world and wants to protect all of these dolls. Well, so he says, uh, mostly just want to pr- wants to protect himself. And uh, yeah. to help do that, he has what really is like just the bodyguard character, um, Eight, who is this very clearly the biggest of all the dolls and this kind of like brutish uh, character. Yeah, we should mention here that each of the numbers has like a very simple, straightforward personality and like, yes. character. And they basically have one character trait each. Um, there's a reason for that. I don't know if that makes it better or doesn't matter at all. I didn't mind it, really. I, I, I thought that, that would, might bother me, uh, but it, it really didn't. Yeah, we can talk about some of the other numbers that we don't see just yet. Um, just to get them out of the way. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Jennifer Conley is in this film. She's seven. Um, seven is kind of the warrior number. Um, By six... far the only one that is truly equipped to survive in this world. Yes, I would say that's probably Other than true. nine, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like one is equipped to survive, but just by... Like, well, yeah, I guess I mean hiding. like physically equipped. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Kristen... I guess eight, but eight's stupid. It is very stupid. Crispin Glover is number six, um, and he's kind of like the seer number. Yeah, he's the Looney Tunes guy. Yeah, which he's on Looney Tunes. He's drawing pretty, these alchemical symbols. Pretty fitting that it's played by Crispin Glover. Yes. Um, and then we have three and four, um, who are kind of these twins that uh, like kind of speak in a language. Like they really only communicate well with each other. Um, I don't think they talk at all. The entire they, yeah, movie. yeah, they like they confer with each other, but they don't directly like communicate with um, any of the other numbers. Um, and they're kind of uh, childlike um, and you know mysterious. They kind of have, and they own. have the ability to record things with their eyes. Yes, and play, and play, them, play back. them back. Yes, that is correct. Which is very useful for some exposition later, <laughs> isn't it? Though, yeah. Um, so two has been captured, right? By this yep. cat beast. Um, I should ask you, um, what do you think about uh these hybrid machines? Um neat. so especially neat. the one later, the snake-like one. I think yes. that was extremely creative. I like that a lot. Creative. Um, in my headcanon, uh, so they're like hybrid, like they're their forms are based on actual living creatures, but yes. those creatures are dead. So these are machines. It's basically like Sid from Toy Story became a scientist and made these creatures. Well, okay. So my headcanon about this, and we, you know, we can discuss it. Is that Sid actually is the one creating all these? <laughs> Sid's the scientist. Know <laughs> uh, that the fabrication machine uh, and the brain. Um, it is my headcanon. Is I don't that, think we've talked about which either what either one of those. No, things we are yet, no, though. we haven't. But also, if you're listening to this and you Just have no say. familiarity with this movie, what are you doing? Um, but also, you know, get ready because there's a fabrication machine popping up soon. My headcanon was that it is recreating in its own weird, like messed up way, the living creatures of this planet that it killed. Agreed. Um, but it's making them, you know, obviously in this monstrous way because it doesn't really understand life. Comple- completely agree. Yep. Um, so um, one is ready to kind of give up on two um, because one, as you said, is very concerned about his own survival. Yep. Um, however, uh, nine and some some dolls just or some of the nine's personality trait is that he has a 
He has I a remarkable no ability. He has a remarkable just, ability to move the plot forward. That's yeah, it, that's his. He, he's yeah. somehow filled with this desire to save everybody. Um, it, for whatever reason. I mean, th- again, there's not much depth to any of these characters, and I really think that these voice actors. No offense to any of the voice actors in this movie, you could really have played have almost anyone else play these characters. Though I think John C. Riley is the most emotionally affecting of all of them. Yeah, I I really liked Christopher Plummer as one. Um, He's good, but I think you could just you could get another I don't know you could get another curmudgeon to do it. I mean, Christopher Plummer is is good. I, he was probably my second favorite after Johnson. I I don't know. I see him as more of a curmudgeon, and I think that's due to Christopher Plummer's performance. I think in his performance, like there's just this, and maybe it's because I've seen the movie a couple times, but like there's this undertone of yeah, he has like this iron authority, but in his performance, there's always this like undertone of fear. Like he's always yeah. very afraid and wants to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they are attacked again uh, by the hybrid machine. Um, Seven, who, as you mentioned, is kind of the warrior of the group. She shows up. We meet her. She kills the hybrid machine. Um, and uh, during all of this, Nine um, kind of uh, goes into a trance and he puts the alchemical stone into the fabrication machine. Um, We're gonna find out a little bit more about it later, but basically we find out that it is kind of responsible for creating uh, the hostile machines and for wiping out humanity. Yep, and even though they have just rescued two, um, Nine's idiotic actions cause this fabrication machine to become powered up and which immediately captures two and sucks out his life or soul um, using the talisman yes the stone yes um so now uh seemingly powered up uh the group escapes in the factory the machine that kind of reactivates itself and creates a new hybrid machine that's like a flying machine um also love the design on this yes um so our friends are kind of regrouping what do they do um well that's when we meet the twins three and four um, they're hanging out some library, some ruined library, I think. And three and four play a video. Um, one of those like old timey, here's what happened during the war effort. Videos. Like a newsreel kind of. Yeah. And this, um, I think pretty clear, not pretty clearly. Was this like, was this like World War One era or is this World War Two era? No, it based on like the city, it looked pre, like pre-World War Two to me. Yeah, I mean, it's ambiguous because the uh, villains are made to look like the Germans. And so you never know which war it is then. Yeah, and we (laughs) should mention that like there's a dictator and there's like uh, fascist iconography, but it doesn't map one to one. It's not Nazis. It's not, you know, Mussolini. It's it's just a made up dictatorship. Yeah. Um, And so through this, Nine realizes that it's kind of looks at like the, the symbols on the stone and realizes that they're the same as the symbols that six has been drawing. Right. Um, and nine comes to the conclusion or six comes to the conclusion that they need to go back to the beginning, which I think means mostly just the, the workshop where they were created. Well, and that's kind of an interesting question that um, I don't know if the movie answers, but Nine wakes up in the workshop. um, And when we kind of discuss how they all these things exist in the first place, um, did the doctor make them one by one and like send them off or leave them in places? 
Um, or were all of them in the same place and they left one by one? I don't know. It's it's weird, and the movie doesn't seem remotely concerned with no. answering that. No. All I know is he he horcrux himself nine times and yeah, just said go good luck. Yeah. So we get a break for a pretty intense action sequence. Um, the wings, pretty neat. Uh, yeah, it's like the action in this film is actually really good. Um, you know, like I think in terms of the direction, I think it's pretty it's pretty watchable. Um, yeah. And yeah, this think? like eagle like hybrid machine um, attacks them. I, we're not going to go beat for beat on how like they stop it, but it's pretty, pretty neat how they kind of disable it and, and how I, the rest of the scene plays out. I will say what I like about this film, the action scenes in particular, especially like later when uh, they get to a factory and even later when uh, there's like kind of a piece of artillery involved, it's that it's all these like really tiny characters working on sometimes, you know, oftentimes human sized things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool. Um, yes. And they, you know, they play around with that. Um, Through in, They, they yeah. take advantage of it. I should say. Exactly. Exactly. Um, through all of like the chaos of this attack after they destroy the the machine, um, the cathedral burns to the ground. Right, and so they are off. They they have to go basically meet, but go back to the library where Seven was staying. Yeah, um, and this is this part definitely feels um, where the movie got expanded, right? Because it's like essentially what sure. happens. Essentially, what happens is we have a scene where we get most of the information. There's this break for action, and then we just get the rest of the information immediately after. And despite the fact that this is a short movie, I think there's just like one too many scenes of these guys disagreeing about the same damn thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so what we end up getting is a little bit of, of drama. I guess right before that, we see, I think there's a, a brief scene of the fabrication machine making more machines. Yes. Um, one of which we're about to see soon, which is excellent. Um, they So they go back to the library, and I think the tw that's where the twins realize. I think we, maybe we said this earlier. It's possible we were these... We were confusing. Well, the two no, these are so these are two separate discoveries. They are so okay. the the first part we get the backstory of the fabrication machine, um, and but we don't get anything about the the stone. The stone is the second kind of piece of information they get after. Okay, so this so this is where they they have they have to go back to the beginning moment. Yeah. Okay. Or, no, I, I think it, it might be again. Like I, you're oh, right. Like, I, I, it movie, is repetitive. It, yeah, this movie repeats itself, and yeah, you're right. We kind of get very similar scenes happening again and again. Like the numbers arguing, what do we do? You know. Yeah. Um. And so it's kind of here where one is. I mean, even more obviously, trying to stop them from making any progress to saving anyone or saving the world or whatever. And it's kind of revealed. I think it almost impliedly he might explicitly say it that one basically sent two out to go scout hoping he would die yeah like kind of knowing that two was like the curious one yeah he he's like he was more of the engineer yes yeah the one one really doesn't want them to figure out what's going on because he thinks that that's just going to lead to danger i mean he's it's about self-preservation he's not evil in the sense that he's a like in a, in allegiance with the with the fabrication machine he's just it's all about self-preservation for him. Yeah, it's survival at any cost. And yes. that cost includes the death of the other numbers. Yes. You know? And so now we get, uh, they get attacked by the another machine. who They just seem to just know where they are at all times. Um, I, 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 I'm going to try to try to describe what this machine is. It is, it's almost like Viper 
like creature that is has the ability to kind of capture with like it's like claws these these characters and sew them up into its body into its like snake-like body and at the at the head of this creature is this really creepy looking like almost like skull is that what you how, how would you describe it yeah it's it's yeah it's a very creepy like put together techno snake like luring monster we're not um, we're not doing it justice but it's it's yeah. really it's creepy and just a really neat character design i mean honestly if you are listening to this and you you don't even know what this movie is i would say just google nine movie and just look at the artwork look at the designs um because... yeah and after you're done looking at pictures of daniel day lewis uh that are not animated you will realize that uh we meant nine the number that's correct yeah. yes um so this machine what what it's really doing is it's it's using two's dead body as this kind of like decoy is it's like a, of, like like an angler fish almost yeah and 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 it apparently has the ability to use two's body to hypnotize to like flash some lights and hypnotize these other characters and then it grabs those characters wraps them up in string and puts them into its own body yes um and so it does this with both 7 and 8 and who are like the bruisers of the group right the warriors yes so. uh and so nine duh obviously wants to go after them and one duh obviously does not um and wants to go find a place to hide and one kind of begrudgingly goes along with them yes um in the meantime well what do we see Oh, in the meantime, we see that production is ramping up at the old factory. The old product or fabrication machine is fabricating um, lots of new machines. Yes. Um, or has it started making new machines or is it just like reactivating now? I think it's, I, I think it reactivated. It's still, I mean, or it's, it's making new machines, I believe. Yeah. Um, and very um, quickly because this movie is still kind of quickly paced, even though there is some kind of like boring, repetitive stuff that happens. Um the rest of the characters arrive and um, eight is killed. Um, Soul is sucked into the fabrication machine, um, but nine is able to trick the machine and save seven and then also destroy that like snake like machine. Yes, because uh, they use a barrel of oil um, yes. and they kind of have it pulled into uh, the machine and like everything explodes. Yes. Um, which again, it's like interesting to see them kind of go through all of that process being like as tiny as they are. Yeah. Um, so then they, they walk away from the wreckage of the factory. Um, and there's kind of a real, a moment that my initial reaction was that it's super out of place, but I ended up thinking it was very sweet. Well, it's kind of weird because it's one of those moments. It's like um, it's like defeating Magus in Chrono Trigger, right? It's like one of those moments where it's like, oh, the story could end here. Yeah, um, you know, like and could... maybe you should have. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it should have. Um, we get this moment where there's a record player, um, and one of the numbers I can't remember which one is it. The twins. Yeah, the twins start. Yeah, they turn on the record player, and it sings Judy Garland somewhere over the rainbow. Um as they kind of are savoring this like moment of, you know, relief and relaxation um, after, you know, this very traumatic event. Um, and just this, like the song somewhere over the rainbow and them just being like, ah, oh, isn't it great that we're all alive guys. Um, you know, like 
you can tell this is all setting up for you know a reversal right like yeah this it's this little like short me. oasis moment before but it's like but i just i think it works especially because it, i like, think it does too this like this is a hellscape right it's a horrible bleak hellscape and this is kind of the only nice thing that has happened to these characters so far in this entire film yeah um and i think if we didn't get this moment if it's just the movie would be kind of unrelentingly bleak until the very end yes um but as i said uh this is all setting up so that all of this can be taken away from them right yes um, uh, five be- notices that the fabrication machine is still alive yeah Oops. um yep and it's kind uh, of like it's kind of broken it's kind of like crawling versus how quickly it was probably able to move before um Yes, it yeah. is definitely damaged. It is coming after them. Um, there is a chase, uh, like on a collapsing bridge. Um, Six again repeats like his message, um, and also sacrifices himself to give the other numbers time. And, and he kind of specifically m- points out more though, and you can you can kind of tell this already because I think what six six like sees like the soul or like essence of one of the other numbers. Yes. within the fabrication machine and kind of takes note of that. I think nine might see it too. And six tells nine, <laughs> 69. Um, sorry. I had, why to. isn't there uh, a number? Why isn't there a number zero? We could have four, two and zero lineup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sequel. Yeah. You're just stepping all over my fan fiction right now. Oh my no. God. Is there a fan fiction called zero? And it's no. about, it's like, Oh my God. It's like the Sheon. Of- <laughs> no. I, I wish there was, I, I, ah. I was making a joke about what my personal fan fiction would be, but I, I oh. that's, this isn't actually what my fan fiction. All right. Was. Well, I just found mine anyway. Go on. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so six like tells the others don't kill the, the fabrication machine because it contains all the souls of the other numbers and basically just like encourages nine to do what nine was going to do, which is go back to the workshop. Correct. Um, so following those instructions, they do that uh, against one's wishes. And what happens there? Uh, well, our friend Nine discovers a hologram message from the scientist, um, kind of explaining himself what happened uh, and how the numbers came to be. The scientist made a brain machine. Um, I think it's really stupid when um, acronyms and fictional media have like a very intentional uh, word. So like um, Hydra just barely shield. passes it. Shield, I think is stupid. Brain, I agree. I think it's stupid. Um, also, are you aware that there's a sword? Oh, there is a sword. I was just about to say it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's in the MCU canon now. It is. Um, but yeah, so we made a brain machine. Uh, and so basically it was an artificial intelligence. However, the scientist... Uh, points out that very, uh, very tellingly, or very importantly, uh, this machine contained only his intellect. Um, This machine did not contain his soul, uh, his morality. Um, So obviously this is a problem. Um, When the machine uh, became self-aware, when it became overwhelmed, it decided to just destroy all of humanity. Um, There was no moral compass in the machine or any kind of ethics to guide it against this plan. Yeah. Um, so the machine wages war against humanity. Um, I believe it's explained earlier that the dictator of this country made the scientists create the fabrication machine to wage war against other nations. Yes. Um, so now the brain combined with the fabrication machine, it has turned its full attention on eliminating not only humanity, but all life on earth. So uh, these are machines that have very traditional weaponry like cannons, um, yeah. but also machines that have like <clears throat> gas that can spray that will immediately kill kind of all life. People, the plants, grass, people, yeah, plants, yeah, all of it. everything. 
Yep. Um, so he further goes on to explain that using the alchemical stone, the talisman, uh, that nine uh, has in his possession, he was able to transfer pieces of his soul into the number dolls. Um, so this explains why each of the numbers have kind of like one main personality trait. Mm-hmm. It is because they, the scientists split his soul into nine pieces, a la Voldemort. Um, and each piece kind of gets one chunk of his soul, his personality. Um, yep. So one is self-preservation, you know, seven would be kind of his warrior spirit. Six, you could say is like his religious kind of like seer. Three and four, level. his kind of like, you know, youth. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we get each number being an aspect of his soul um, and nine understands this again. This is where like, I'm not totally clear on what nine is supposed to be. Nine is like maybe the glue that holds them together. Yeah. Nine is maybe like love the, the love or the part of the soul that wants to like continue on and like create new life. Who knows? Um, but nine is kind of the piece that kind of ties them all together. The cynical part of me is like, yeah, nine's the nine's the plot device, right? Well, um, yeah, he, yeah. Um, so cynical. nine kind of figures out what his purpose is, what the purpose of the talisman is, and he wants to go run and tell the numbers before it's too late. Um, what are the other numbers up to? They are using kind of this old piece of this old weaponry to like, like shoot artillery. Sh- yeah, yeah, this artillery to like shoot shells at and destroy the fabrication machine. They seem to be pretty successful at the moment. Um, one is leading this charge. Um, and again, this is kind of a cool action set piece because again, it's like these teeny tiny little guys out maneuvering this giant machine and also maneuvering to uh, you know control this like big human sized piece of artillery. Yeah, and nine obviously tells them to stop. One keeps going. Um, it does not kill the machine, um, and then nine kind of gets ready to try to sacrifice his life to get the alchemical stone. Um, or sorry, to return the alchemical stone to the fabrication. No. No, 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 no. They didn't take it off yet, right? Oh, you're right. It's takeoff. Yeah, they're taking. They're taking. Yeah, they're they're gonna take it off the fabrication to get the souls. My apologies. So nine is then pushed out of the way before he can do anything uh, by one, who you know actually does something useful. Um, Yeah, finally. Yeah, and then nine. uh, So one is killed. uh, Soul is taken, and nine removes the stone and which destroys a fabrication machine well yeah <laughs> so a couple of things doesn't really uh, make sense it doesn't make sense um i i do like one sacrifice um i think the i think some of the fun of this film um especially on repeat watches <clears throat> after you kind of know the gimmick that each number is like an individual piece of the scientist's soul yeah. um to kind of pick apart their actions a little bit more um, I kind of see this as one, like one to me is like survival instinct, right? That's, I think, kind of the piece of the scientist soul he got, um, which maybe also is why he's number one, right? Like survival is the most important thing. Hmm. Uh, but I also see him doing this at the end is like a shift, right? Not in survival of himself, but in survival of like the species, right? Like survival of the other numbers. Yeah. Um, He kind of finally at the end, you know, realizes that like their survival is more important than just his own personal survival. Right. The other thing that makes no sense. So nine, or I'm sorry, six very clearly said like, hey, don't destroy the fabrication machine, right? The other pieces of the soul are in there. Um, But really the more accurate message would be, hey, destroy the fabrication machine. Just don't mess with the talisman Mm -hmm. and or, Hey, take the talisman. 
much in the same way that if that ghost at the beginning of Crimson Peak had been like, <laughs> instead of beware Crimson Peak, oh. just been like, hey, Tom Hiddleston murders his wives. Um, that would be much clearer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen Crimson Peak, uh, so you've ruined it for me. Oh my, okay. are you out of your no, mind? No, no, I, I, I'm not. I, I actually have never got around to seeing it. And God, I'm gonna, why? I'll, I'll, I'll forget everything you just said. Don't worry okay, about it. Good. It's okay. There's um, a very non-helpful ghost. I, I've heard that uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, I think I will enjoy it. Uh, we'll it's an amazing. It's. I will say, besides that one plot hole, it's an amazing film. I love it. We should do it for the show. I w- I would love to. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So so what Nine does is he hits the kind of sequence of the symbols on the stone, which frees the souls of all the dead numbers. Um. They kind of drift away into the sky and. There's some dumb comment about how they're free, whatever that means. Uh, and then immediately after that, a storm starts. And I don't understand like the causation here. The storm well, begins and there and like, the, you know, the rain finally comes. It seems like there hasn't been rain for a long time. And the camera like kind of zooms up on one of those water droplets. And there's a bunch of these green glowing dots that are moving inside it. Like, I don't know, bacteria or souls or something. And it's really supposed to suggest like a, you know, that this is the start of new life on earth. I don't really get how destroying a machine and setting the souls free are going to do that. Like who is this scientist to where his soul is, or like where like four fragments of his soul or however many five, like have the ability to, I don't know. I, yeah, to, I to, don't to, to bring life. I, I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make yeah. any freaking sense. It, it doesn't make any sense because it's like, I don't know, maybe if all nine pieces went up, it would be like one human life's worth of energy. And, mm-hmm. but it's only half of them. Like, I, I think the movie wants to leave you with like a hopeful ending, but this just makes no sense. It doesn't make like it, it's it, kind of lame. If the if the dead pieces of soul drifted away and we just got like three and four, seven and nine as this kind of like family, because that's kind of what it feels like. Seven and nine are kind of like the mom and dad. And then like, presumably they'll like take care of three and four. And if the movie just ended with it's like, okay, the like the dead ones are like resting in peace. And now we have this yeah. little family of seven, nine, three and four. And now that the fabrication machine is gone, they can like kind of make their own little lives here. I would have been fine with that. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, we get this kind of bigger, I guess, uh, implication that life returns to earth, which like, cool, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think we needed it. My takeaway is I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's I really don't my take care. Too. Um, speaking of that, I guess, uh, cause that's, that's the movie. That, yeah. Um, that's, that's it. So we, we really touched as we usually do kind of like on what works and doesn't work. I mean, the aesthetic works. I like, I like the visuals. Mostly. And I'm going to get into that in a second. I have, I have a comment I want to make about it or more a kind of a question for you. Um, I love the design of that snake like creature, the length, the fact that it's only 80 minutes is kind of refreshing. I think even more probably could have been cut. Um, I like, there were like little moments that I enjoyed that the movie didn't need at all, but I still enjoyed like, there's a moment where eight is using a magnet to give himself yeah. a brain massage or something. Yeah. I'm like, that's cute. Like, I, yeah. I like that. I mean, I wish I almost there were, wish there were a little more moments like that. Um, okay. So what doesn't work? Um, like I mentioned, like some of the beats are just like repeating, like group, a, a subset of the numbers get together. They disagree about what to do. And then they split up. Um, the ending is kind of lame. Don't really care about 
it makes me care less actually about what was going on than I previously was caring. And okay, let me ask you this. The animation was like praised, right? And it was 2009. I'm going to preface. And this was 2009. Animation has improved since then. There were times where I thought the animation quality looked absolutely incredible. And there were a couple instances where, and I think it was usually when there was like a close up. And it depends on how many things were in the frame, how much, how much detail was in the frame, where I swore the quality was just so lackluster. Like it was like comparable to like VeggieTales era, like 90s animation. So I saw the same thing and I think I know why. Okay, why? Um, I think that they absolutely, with no question, needed to make a 999 release date. Like unquestionably. <laughs> it's it's funny. It, it sounds funny, almost like it could be made up, but it's no, not. But that's, because it was, I, no, they, they clearly not, yeah. were trying to meet that release date. They're like, we don't release this. We're not releasing it ever. Yeah. We've missed right. our shot. Yeah. It's it's a once in a millennium. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's yeah, I agree. I saw the same thing and I immediately was like, oh, rush schedule. That's yeah. what that said to me. Okay. I'm glad you noticed that. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I was, I was half expecting you to be like, you're crazy. No, um, no, no. Um, when I was reading no. like the criticism about it and my, or like just, you know, people praising the animation, I was like, I, even for tw- 2009, like I, some of that animation was like, did not look good, but like, it mostly looks great. I should, I, I should preface like, that's a minor complaint. It mostly looks very good. Well, do you want to know what I was thinking, actually, when I was thinking about the animation for this movie? Fortunately, we have a podcast where I can find out what you're thinking. <laughs> actually, yes. Um, I was because I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, some of these shots are like, oh, not great. But I, I thought the same thing. I was like, ah, you know, CGI movie from 2009. But then I was thinking, hmm. What about Final Fantasy Spirits Within? No joke. I was thinking about that. And I was like, <laughs> no, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, which came out way before this, like nail textures and close-ups. Yes. More than I mean, this. Advent Children came out before this too and was better than that. And also, and I, w- without knowing the connection to Coraline, I was thinking like Coraline looks so much better than this. And I oh, like, yeah. thought Coraline was like, what, 2007, 2008? Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to agree you? with you. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you for most of those. Um, I'll start with uh, what didn't work. Um, Yeah, I feel like if you're going to expand that short into a full-blown film, um, it's, I'm going to need more. Um, You know, I, it's, I think it's rare uh, for me to say, you know, I'm going to need more lore. Um, I generally think trimming lore is a better choice in 99% of all media. Um, In this case, I think beefing up the lore would have Mm -hmm. added to the film um and beefing up like the characters like you said beefing up the dialogue and the personalities of each of the numbers um i think would have fixed not fixed but would have improved this film greatly mm-hmm. um i what yeah I, i'm gonna agree with a lot of your criticisms i just think what worked though and what keeps me coming back to this film is that there's so many ideas that when you say them out loud like completely individually and divorced of every other element a lot of them sound really cool. Mm -hmm. Like um, a fabrication machine that is powered by an artificial intelligence that was not given, given a moral compass and turns on humanity. I mean, that's, that's Skynet, but that's still a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, Being able to split your soul into nine different pieces and create living objects 
And each of those objects will have one facet of your personality. It's neat. C- cool idea, yeah. right? The actual aesthetics, the look like of the, the numbers of the world, great, right? Like all of these things in isolation, I think are cool. For some reason, it's like when you make the stew of it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it's just like, again, it's like a focus thing. Like, I feel like if the focus had been shifted to more um, lore, to more dialogue, to giving the numbers more personality and more things to do, and less of a focus on like action set pieces, um, I almost think this film would have worked better as like, let's just cut out all that action and let's have it be more of like a quiet, grim, plotting like character piece with these mm-hmm. characters in this like dead mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, I don't think that would have, that would have now that would have been an indie project, right? There's no way a film like that would have seen a major the- theatrical release. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the kind of movie that would have served the ideas at play here. Would you say yeah. that's fair? I would say that's very fair. Yeah. But I mean, I, I agree with every single criticism you made. Um, yeah. Video game corner. So if we were going to turn this film into a video game, um, what are what are your ideas? So I'm going to say that possibly of all of the movies we have done, this was the easiest to envision as a video game and not because it's animated, not just because it's animated already. The framing, like some of the shots in this movie are very reminiscent of a video game. I could like picture a video game vividly. And I had two different types, actually one genre in mind, but two different kind of like animation styles. Like, so when I'm talking about like the framing in the shots, like nine waking up and exploring the workshop, um, like five, seven to nine escaping after they wake up the robot. Like the idea of like there were like spotlights, robot like these machines with spotlights outside the factory. Like you can envision a level of avoiding spotlights as you try to enter the factory. So I was, but I was envisioning this as 2D platformer, like adventure, like platformer games, more maybe less platformer, like 2D adventure games. And like an SNES era, like maybe you have like Donkey Kong Country, like where in each level you have, you can control two characters, you could switch off between them. Um, or probably more likely like a modern. Like this, this gave me like limbo vibes mm. a little bit, like yeah. a, like a 2D adventure game. that's like kind of mostly exploration, like figuring out what the heck is going on. No, like no dialogue at all. And some boss encounters where you have to kind of like kill a boss, but you're just like a helpless kid in limbo. But like here, you're a little bit less than helpless. Like you could have a weapon, Um but it could be like maybe like a puzzle where you have to like switch, you know, I'm working with this character right now. And then I switch to this other character and they have to go operate this item and like kind of make it to destroy a boss that way. So I, again, so I said like 2d, 2d adventure, but as I'm talking about this, I could kind of envision it as more of like a late nineties, 3d point and click type um, PC game where you're like clicking on a character, having them do something, cl- clicking on another character, having them do something. I can't think of like a good analogy right now um, for that type of game. It, but, I mean, it, it almost is like a visual novel in a way in that yeah. you, could, you could basically do an adventure game and the action in this film, like, I don't want to say it's arbitrary, but sometimes it literally, ex- like the, the attack by the flying machine, it literally exists to, just to like lengthen the movie yeah. and to break up one conversation into two or three conversations. So you could literally have like an adventure game where there's like, oh, 
the machines attack and then just like have like a one screen picture of that and then cut back to the conversation yeah i mean if it weren't for the whole fact that this guy is putting like each one of these numbers or like one of his personalities or like what the parts of his like personality because you can't really convey that that well in like a largely or entirely dialogue list video game like I, I could almost argue this would work this concept and these ideas would work better as a video game you can incorporate the lore and like the you know what's going on into the game you can have item descriptions that have that you could just have it be narrated again depends on like what kind of game you're talking about but the character traits won't really come across unless you do essentially like a, a video game that's like playing a movie and Are you, I don't, is, I don't is this, is this well. a sly reference to the the game enter the matrix which no. featured which no, featured but it is auxiliary now. and uh, yeah let you know could we have enter the matrix corner for a second here yes, you got you, you you got uh you you got your uh wonderful wonderful steampunk corner and i i need an enter the matrix corner yeah really go for it i really enjoyed that game me too uh, me too it is it was so flawed oh yeah there were there were fight sequences and moments in that game that i was like this is really fucking cool That's, and yes. it came out like not i mean around right, right around the time that matrix 2 and 3 came out and i i was you know buying into the matrix 2 and 3 hype um and i was one of those people that saw those movies and convinced myself that they were convinced myself they were good when they weren't um this game that game was really freaking fun and really cool and i i still have a copy of it i haven't played it in a long time but man that game was cool and i and i think it got too much shit it was one of it's, those like guilty pleasures but not really guilty pleasure like i actually thought the game was like better quality than reviews said i didn't really well, care about the plot at all i just thought the combat was wonderful and that's the thing. It got a lot of flat. It was glitchy as, as all get out. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's part of the charm. Um, and it got a lot of flack for like, Oh, you know, the, the combat mechanics aren't too deep. The shooting isn't very deep, but I was like, listen, if I want good fighting mechanics, I can find a game with good fighting mechanics. If I want a game with good shooting mechanics, I can find that. Can I find a game where I get to slow down time and pretend I'm in the matrix? This is the only one that lets well, me do that. Max Payne is the other, but Max Payne. No, it wasn't the same. No. It's not you, you couldn't no. do as many like cool tricks and stuff like there was this game was actually surprisingly deep mechanically. It was glitchy mechanically also, but like you could do some pretty cool shit in, that, in this game. If we can figure out a way to get me to play it, I would absolutely do. It I mean, I, I could just give you my Wii and enter the Matrix or GameCube. Um, that'd be one way. That's that's a topic for uh, for another off, day. Off yeah. Recording. Uh, so how about you? What's your video game look like? I essentially had the same idea. Only um, what was kind of going through my mind was the time period. So 2009. Okay. So I was thinking like a really shitty movie tie-in 3D action platformer game, just mm. to really fit in with the theme. But what I was also thinking, um, because again I was thinking about the time period, uh, there was a game by Traveler's Tales. Uh, I don't believe it ever got made. No, it must not have because I would have heard about it. But I remember years ago, it was probably before even this, probably like maybe 2005, six, seven. I remember reading about a Traveler's Tale game. And if this sounds familiar, please stop me. Okay. Where it was like you could, I guess basically the best analogy for it, it was, it was kind of like a mid-2000s version of No Man's Sky. 
um, where the pitch for it was like, okay, uh, what do you want to do? You want to get into a spaceship and fly into space? Cool. You can do that. You want to like land on a planet and, you know, like go interact with characters? Cool. You can do that. Do you want to, you know, uh, you know, like swim in the ocean and, you know, find, you can do that. It was basically a game, like a simulator game where it was like, you can basically do anything you could do in real life in this simulator. Right. So um, Roblox. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, oh my gosh. Uh, I, have I, I, I don't know that much about it. And I think every Gen Zer or like little kid would be like, what? Yeah, uh, I've, I've heard the word Roblox. That's as deep as my knowledge of Roblox is. And that you should keep it that way. Yeah. But so my idea, does this game sound familiar to you at all? It does. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I did not do enough research to look at all like, into what it was called, but the idea of being like, you could kind of do a little bit of everything, but of course, you know, which sounds cool on paper, but of course the downside is if you try to do a little bit of everything, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, like none of those systems are going to be very satisfying, hmm. which is exactly the problem. No man's sky ran into. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking like, okay, what if you played as kind of not all the numbers, because some of them it's like, well, what would six's power be like C visions. Um, but you would play several numbers. So like nine, seven, eight, maybe five, maybe two. Um, and each of them would have kind of their own unique gameplay style. Um, and maybe their own, um, you know, upgrade tree and upgrade mechanics, you know, seven would obviously be very like hack and slash. Um, maybe two would be your building things. Eight would be kind of a bruiser. Uh, maybe nine is like mm-hmm. a, a kind of stealth. Um, and all of those mechanics would be like poorly implemented. <laughs> Yeah. So essentially what I'm pitching is kind of a really shitty um, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Oh, geez. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's but where you're nine. at. Yeah. 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 I wanted to skip that entire generation of video games. I wanted to go like 90s or like right now with the technology we have with indie, like just put this in the hands of a really smart, capable indie developer. Not yeah. like a, not like a shit studio that's trying to like, that's churning out like, I don't know, Batman Rise of Shinzu or whatever the heck that game is. Um, yeah. Anyway. Can we get this in the hands whoever made Drake and the 99 Dragons? <laughs> Jeez. Or Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Oh, oh wait, no, that, mean, that was, that was, that was Sega. Yeah, it was Team Sonic. Yeah. Um, would you want to live in this world? Absolutely not. Moving No on. way. Yeah. Um, uh, no, 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 no. There's a gas in this world that can literally eliminate all life upon like first contact. Yeah, we would have. This could have turned into a larger conversation if you had said yes for some reason. No, um, no, no, no. All right. Kingdom Hearts. This was both like fun and not that, that exciting I, at the same yeah, time. I really struggled with this, oddly, um, because I just I don't know. Tell me yours. So uh, the levels, I don't call it ruined wasteland. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, that's a no yeah. more a name. The mission, I, who fucking knows? You have to find, all, you, you talk to nine, you have to find all of the other people and then you have to fight a heartless infected version of the fabrication machine. Um, the uh, keyholes in the workshop, obviously. Um, Keyblade. Uh, I called it the soul keeper. Ooh, I like that. Um I think it's a lot of potential for a design of a keyblade due to how everything is all, you know, steampunky and uh. Uh, <laughs> everything's so makeshift and eclectic, you know, um, just some combination of like wood, metal and fabric. You like have a wood handle and a shaft with like a, with the fa- a fabric grip and like a, you know, that kind of like stitching a uh, metal blade. And then the keychain is probably the talisman 
or a light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. How about you? Uh, um, so I, okay. So we've never done this before in Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. Corner, but I was having a really hard time making like this its own bespoke level with like adhering to the lore of nine. Could I, <laughs> I'm asking permission here. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to end up granting it. Yeah. Can I, for this Kingdom Hearts Corner, um, what if we like, we pull the Final Fantasy and what if we use nine as like part of the lore of Kingdom Hearts? So here's Interesting. what I, Interesting. Sure, I mean. I'll so, allow it. So I had, let's say this city that this, that nine takes place in, what if it's in the same world that the key keyblade graveyard is in? Do you so, realize the implications of what you're doing though? I you're almost out no Nomura. I do. So I would read if he hears you say this, he's gonna he's gonna do it. And you're going to regret ever bringing it up. (laughs) I would recontextualize uh, nine as like on the other side of the world of the Keyblade graveyard. It's like the one city in the world of Keyblade. It makes sense. uh, Sense aesthetically. It does. Doesn't it? Um, And I was thinking that instead of being pieces of the scientist's soul, um, the scientist in this world, he could be a scientist, but he was also a Keyblade wielder and he broke his heart into nine pieces and that part of the level would be Sora like collecting the numbers to recreate the scientist's heart. Um, and mm. this would give Sora like insight into Xehanort and how he had split his heart into 13 pieces. Um, and so Sora would be like getting information about like what Xehanort did and maybe how to defeat him like right before the final confrontation with Xehanort at the Keyblade Graveyard. This is, that was fant- fantastically creative. I, I really admire the thought you put into this because I think it works really well. Um, I also think that it possibly sadly demonstrates your extensive knowledge of the lore of Kingdom Hearts, oh, um, God. In, especially from the games that are trash. Oh, God, you're right. The non-canonical ones. Only so, yeah. One, did so you know you, only only Kingdom Hearts 1 is canonical? Did so you know you, that? So you are a very brilliant man and also not making a good case for your sanity. Um this is what Kingdom Hearts Corner is for. I love that we have this for ourselves and for no one else. Yeah. Um, so for the Keyblade, I have the design. I don't have a name. Maybe you could come up with a name. But I Soul would Keeper. Li- there you go. No. Just use mine. No. Um, so the keychain is the, the alchemical stone. Um, the main shaft um, would be uh, like the the um, Seven's like scissor sword. Uh, uh, yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like yours, it would just be kind of like, you know, an assemblage of, uh, you know, different like metal wood pieces. Uh, Steampunk, yeah. I think is the word you're referring to. Um, but what would that be called? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Nine over um, nine. Oh sure. no, that's perfect. Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh my god, it should be 420 10 o- over it should, 69. No, it's okay. Here's what it should be called it should be called 10 over nine because after putting all the pieces together, gathering them all, nine could be like, and you're mm-hmm. the 10th piece, Sora, or like friendship was the 10th piece all along. Okay, this is a segue into fan fiction corner, Aaron. Oh, I love it. Because I guess what I've done is create fan fiction. You have. Uh, and I will say that there was a surprising, a surprisingly lot of fan fiction that I that I saw. I wish I would have had time to go through more of it. Um, I also 
I'm glad I didn't waste my time going through some of it. Um, there's a lot. And I have some, I'm curious about the fan fiction community of nine because it actually appears to be extensive. And what I saw so far suggests, and I think that some of it might be overseas. I, 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 there, I just got the feeling that there might be a bigger nine following in Europe um, based on some references I saw. Um, but anyway, going off what you said before, this one is called nine fan fiction about an extra character. And the opening line is everyone knows the movie nine, but what if there was a 10th? Oh God. Also does everyone know the movie nine? No. Um, No. Well, that's what, so there's number one America. This can't be from America. Uh, So, so I'm not going to go into like what this is about uh, because you already know, I just said it, but what I want to talk about are, uh, just the first two chapters, uh, I think there's like only like four and then it's it has, hasn't been finished. And a couple of comments that were made by people reading this. Um, chapter one was not very well written and it's very short. The first comment, this is awesome in all caps. I am following and voting. <laughs> chapter two, even more poorly written and even shorter, ends with a parenthetical from the author, sorry of this chapter is poorly made. I stayed up all night because my grandpa is having surgery and it's about 4 a.m. and I haven't slept. First comment, I hope your grandpa is okay. Parentheses. Aww. Also, this is not poorly made. Very sweet, uh, but it was poorly made, uh, but excusable. I hope uh, this person's grandma, uh, grandpa was okay. <laughs> so that's the first. Do we want to switch off? Um, alternate? Because I have two more sort of three more but i can go through them kind of quickly yeah so i i had one um because you're right this is a robust fan uh fan fiction community mm-hmm. uh from what i saw i will just say right now like i absolutely think this world is worthy of fan fiction like there's just a lot i of agree questions um i i think it's fine that fan fiction writers uh kind of pick it up and run with it um i'm gonna read something to you okay Yes. Uh, I'm going to read something to you. And I would like you to stop me when you have found anything that is even remotely related to the film nine. Okay. (laughs) How long are we going to be here? Anytime. All right. This is the beginning of chapter 10 from this man fiction. Okay. It's called Patchwork Tales. Okay. Having been scooped up by the crag bot, crag panicked, banging against the machine's walls and yelling. As the crabs made their way, Ionos slowly came to. She heard crags shouting and banging. Crag? What happened? She asked groggily, finding that wherever they were, it was pitch black. Ionos! Her voice scared him in the dark. He was too terrified to deal with her right now. Once she remembered what he had done, she would be even more difficult to deal with. We got scooped up by these robots! Okay, well, scooped up by these robots. I'm just going to stop you and give that half-assed one because... There's nothing else that I think you're going to say that's going to be a direct tie to nine. Okay, well, here's the thing. So you're assuming that these are the evil robots that are going to take them to maybe, say, the factory, right? Uh, I was, yeah. Okay, well, you're going to tell me that's not true, yeah. No, it's not true. Okay. It'd be another few minutes before the crab reached Isaac's house and opened its claws, letting in a flood of light as it revealed to the others standing about in Isaac's room. Um, There wasn't anywhere to go since the door was closed to ensure that no one would leave. Detain him, Exo shouted angrily upon seeing Scramble. No sooner has she said that. <laughs> it just really goes on. What? 
Um, I'm waiting for you to tell me what is this like a Golden Sun crossover? So I, yeah. I just heard the, the name Isaac and that has alchemy in it. But yeah, so here's the thing. Um, this is the full title is called Patchwork Tales, a nine role play content compendium, comma book one. Um, so I'm gonna go back to the first chapter, if you can even call them that. Um, this isn't actually a fan fiction. It's hard to uh, it's hard to understand unless I describe it out loud. Okay. Um, this is a role play log between two players. Um, it is the text format is that it is a group of paragraphs that goes on for hundreds of pages, uh, taking turns in different colors. One set of paragraphs is aquamarine colored. The other set of paragraphs are purple colored. And this appears to be a mutual role play between two people where they took turns writing paragraphs, role-playing in the world of Nine with entirely made-up original characters, um, not referencing the characters of Nine at all, um, and spinning off into adventures, kind of, but because it's a role-play dialogue, um, they never really get anywhere. <laughs> um, because, because like an improv session, um, neither improver really wants to make the, the, the bigger leap. And so there's a lot of them inching the story along, but neither one of them really wants to take giant steps with it. And so it's just doomed to be in this lifeless state for eternity. Yeah, it's also very odd because you can tell who's role-playing <clears throat> as certain characters. And then you can tell when one author doesn't like a turn the other has made with a certain character. Oh, you got a yes and that. You can't know it. Yeah, there's a lot of not knowing, but like course correcting and okay. then recorrecting. And then certain characters have certain personality traits when they're with one author and then not with another. Uh, and this goes on for 10 chapters. Um, it's hundreds of, maybe not hundreds of pages. It's extremely long. Jeez. Um, also, we can look at some of the tags. Again, the tags are really telling. I did not read all of this. Um, but some of the tags are role play log, action adventure, Shane Acker's nine, drug use, molestation, rape, non-consent, slice of life, steampunk, suicide attempts, hmm. humans and humanoid society. Steampunk. Yeah. 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 Surprised you didn't stop reading when you saw that. So the only thing that I can compare this to that I have any familiarity with, uh, and I picked this out specifically because I had a past experience with role play logs. Um, I have a very good friend and former college roommate who uh, engaged in role play logs. Are you familiar with role play logs? No. Or so maybe, I, but just not by that name. I think you are, but maybe not by this name. Uh, it makes sense when I describe what it is. I just think it's very odd. Okay. Um, role play logs are, you know, let's say you and I wanted to role play, right? And we pick the world we want to role play in. So Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings, right? So let's say you and I came to the, uh, the conclusion that we want to role play Lord of the Rings. What would that look like to you? Well, I'd say there, there's a lot of like wood and metal. So very steampunky. <sighs> Well, I'm done now. I but just... you're 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 describing props, right? Mm. We would dress up, we would we would act out our, our roles as these characters from Lord of the Rings that we love, um, and that's how we would do it, right? Yes. Um, so role play logs is basically like what if we role played as these characters, but only through essentially aim messages. Um, and oh. I have a friend who is very into Lord of the Rings, 
and he had a very extensive role play relationship not like sexual but just purely like role play with like a couple across the country okay this one this went on for i think years and they would just coordinate days and times and they would just all log into aim and they had like a shared log and they would just talk to each other as their roles and like narrate so my one friend was like a char- an OC, right? An original character in the Lord of the Rings world, right? So let's say he's like Bariel the elf, right? So he'd like log on and be like, oh, I'm so exhausted. You know, I just got back from, you know, raiding orc camps with my other elf friend, you know, Diego the elf. <laughs> <laughs> and, then they, and then they would go on adventures to get like text adventures. Hmm. Have you heard of such a thing before? It, no. It's very odd. And that's what this is. And that's why like, you can very clearly see there's a back and forth Um, and they're, they are yes. Anding each other, but like neither wanted to, neither wants to like push the plot too far Hmm. um, without the other's permission. Hmm. But boy, do they love adding new characters with stupid names? Well, I've got some fan fiction for you. That's very appropriate. Well, to the time we're recording this, but not to the time people will hear it. Um, this one is called a nine nativity story. Oh, uh, the settings in this story is based on the new Testament from the Bible, but in a stitch punk universe. Can, can so, we just, can we please call them numbers? This is not very well written either. I'm going to read a couple excerpts of this. So, well, so uh, let me, let me start with this. The story starts with, I believe two, like the twins find or like five and the twins find a book. And two gets really excited about it. Like, where'd you find this book? This is the most important book to ever exist. Um, and it has the story of Christmas in it. Hmm. And so he reads it to them. And, it, and so here, here's how it says, well, where do I begin? You see, the story takes place centuries ago during the time of the rise of the Stitch Punk Empire. You see, the Roman Stitch Punks were really powerful. And what? their main ruler. Stop of, it. Stop. Stop. No, I'm, no, stop. There's more. Full stop. Stop everything. <laughs> stop. 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 Roman <laughs> Stitch Punk Empire. Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> so you see, the Roman Stitch Punks were really popular and they're really Wait, sorry, really no no really powerful oh, and their main and their main ruler of the whole empire was a powerful stitch punk named caesar or called caesar which his empire ruled over the stitch punks in the city called galilee um but in the but the, today in that city a wedding was to be held for a special stitch punk couple that were to be wed the stitch punk couple were nine and his wife to be seven who was a virgin it's not very well written, as you can see. I'm not just butchering it. This is how it's written. Okay. Also, okay, Seven was a virgin. They're all virgins. How do they fuck? Exactly. They're just little sackcloth people. Exactly. So so let's, I'm just going to jump ahead to two excerpts that, other excerpts that I that were interesting to me. Um, okay, so and I'm not even going to try to read some of this dialogue because it's so poorly written and also it's going to get annoying with me just saying numbers. So seven has the baby in the inn. Why? How? Calls the baby 97. and says the baby's name is 97. Oh my God. All right. Then I'm going to start narrating and then doing dialogue. Nine looks at his wife. Nine. That's a beautiful name for this girl. Not to mention it has both our numbers. Is that why you picked the name out? Seven. No. The angel stitch punk E, the angel's name was E, told me to name our baby this. Nine. Well, I think they picked the perfect name. He says as he kisses the baby on the forehead as well. Okay. So the three kings show up. 
I think is it gets a little chaotic. <laughs> uh, and then so here's all right. This is just this is a very fleeting moment, and then I'm then I'm done. Soon after, a small group of stitch punks that were in the town also came to see the holy stitch punk that was said to be born in their town. Among them is a white stitch punk, which golden eye lens and pink zipper approaches the little babe with her mother. Stitch punk, and it, this character's name is Stitch Punk CIA. Stitch Punk CIA. Hello there, my name is CIA. I love your baby. Is it boy or girl? Seven. It's girl. Stitch Punk CIA. Well, she sure is beautiful. <laughs> I feel like you didn't deliver that with the intended energy that that line called for. I actually think I delivered it with just the right amount, if not too much energy. Well, I would say that's the amount of energy the person spent writing it. Yeah. So the last thing I have is there's somebody who is, I think, has at least two entries of fan fiction, one of which was 28 chapters and very long. I did not read it. Um, it's called Celestial or sorry, the Celestial Rainstorm. Or is that the name of the author? It might actually have been the name of the author. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the, the author's name is Celestial Rainstorm. And the first this 28 chapter story is called Savior Returns. Three months after the defeat of the fabrication machine, Nine is Nine finally has a chance to redeem himself and make the world right again. However, the stitch punk. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does Nine re- need to redeem himself for? for Wasn't that the whole point of this I, journey? I don't know. For for take for putting the talisman on the robot in the first place. Yeah, but it all ended well. However, the stitch punk coven is unexpectedly thrust wait, into the what? second war of the machines. Oh my. This final have... battle will determine the fate of the coven and their world. There is misspelled, I should note. Okay, Nine... they're not witches or vampires. Why is it a coven? Nine must discover his destiny as his race against time quickly becomes a race for survival. So not survival, survival. Um, okay, so the only reason I bring that up is because he makes a sequel that's very short. It's like a short called Stay Strong. I didn't really read it. Uh, it was about five giving himself courage to do something <laughs> what i, what I want to point what, out is what the, could it be we don't is know. the author's comment on his own work i would oh, i will this, read this, some of this to you these are always good look at this fucking original title vent drabble i have some bees in my brain that refuse to be silenced wrote this last <laughs> night slow night and the few customers i got were all assholes so i slapped this angsty shit together enjoy lovelies Disregard my sour mood. We'll be back to normal shortly. I've got, or I've be, I've some bees in my brain that refused to be silenced. I have some bees in my brain that refused to be silenced. So I was, I was going to do a mock accent and then I thought better of it because I yeah. could not have made it through that whole thing with that accent. It definitely was very impressive. It definitely feels like a Irish, English, European cadence. And the lovelies, yeah, that's probably... I have one more fan fiction note uh, of a crossover I found. It's called, it's between Nine and How to Train Your Dragon. And the title of this is called Nine and How to Train Your Dragon. It's pretty original. Yeah. It's pretty original. Uh, Anyway, as you said, does this warrant fan fiction? Yes. It's not really a complete story as it is. So fleshing it out would be pretty good. Um, you know, my fan fiction is pretty dull. I want to know more about the scientists research. What happens next? Do they learn to make new technology? Do they 
rebuild the world? Like how, like if humans grow, if life grows, like what happens? I, I, I don't know. But okay, I think like Ma- I told you earlier, I don't really care. No. All right. Here's my fan fiction. Um, it takes place afterwards, right? Um, nine on a scavenging adventure encounters who could it be but the dead six? Only wait a minute, mm. he's wearing a black cloak. Um, and then nine discovers number zero, and then all the dead numbers are actually members of organization 13, and they're all alive somehow for some reason. Um, and yeah, my fan fiction would be about the secret number 13 or zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if it was a game, uh, I would play it and then hate myself for it. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. So zero to have big Shion energy. Yes. Yeah. Um, also before we go, uh, and talk about what we've, what we've been doing this week. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, do they ever explain how Shion comes back in kingdom hearts three? Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm not even remotely. Why, equipped why to would, why would Shion, why would Shion exist? I don't know. Why, how? <laughs> Aaron, I'm not prepared how? for this question. Not only should she not, I don't think I ever will first, be. Not only should she not exist in the first place, you kill her in three, five, eight over two days. So as she you doesn't know, have a heart. I, I haven't played three by eight over two days. I've yeah. watched videos of the Kingdom Hearts story many, many times, including the story of that game. And I, I, I'll never be able to explain any of that. I, I wouldn't be able. To, I can't answer your question. I could have played. I could have just finished playing the game and Kingdom Hearts three back to back, and I still wouldn't be able to answer that. No, I suppose. And not. I'll never play Kingdom Hearts three ever again. So. All right. Well, uh, what have you been up to this week? Apparently not playing Kingdom Hearts 3. No, I haven't been. Uh, there's really nothing new. I keep playing Buying of Isaac. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in this kind of like uncertain place where I don't know what game to play. Oh, I, I, and I think really the most, I don't know what game I'm going to play next. I'm debating doing Persona 4 Golden and just saying it's never going to get ported to Switch. I might as well just go for it, but who knows um miranda started playing twilight princess which has been fun even though fuck nintendo for making me one get out my wii u again two making me pay 50 dollars for twilight princess hd because i'm afraid they're never going to put it on switch um but it's been fun watching her play uh, i think she's having fun with it she's pretty good at it um yeah nice um can i make a suggestion to you before you play persona 4 yeah um i would suggest that you play shin megami tensei 3 on switch um, i had a feeling you'd say that yeah not five i would play three um i started playing five and like devoting a lot of attention to it that's one of the games i've been playing um five is very good um i think three is unquestionably better okay. i think three is unquestionably a masterpiece um maybe not in terms of like gameplay is great gameplay is very good it's i mean it's the people who make persona so it's very solid jrpg gameplay yeah um i would say the aesthetic the tone and the story are uh probably uh some of my favorite ever in a game Hmm. um and it's by the people who made persona so they know what they're doing nice yeah um so i've been doing that i've also uh i'm almost done with uh pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl um and yeah, Edgar and I have been watching um, Hoarders. Uh, oh, we also finally got Netflix back and we're three episodes into Squid Game. Oh, I liked Squid Game a lot. 
I like Squid Game. Edgar and I have been talking about it, though. Um, are you not fully prepared for the extremely unnecessary, disappointing um, American uh, version that's going to come out? I, uh, I don't want. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. No. Also, speaking of that, um, this is good news for you. Have you seen that uh, Cowboy Bebop has been canceled? No. Cowboy Bebop has been officially canceled by Netflix. Oh, thank you. Yes. I feel so bad for John Cho. But yeah, John Cho will bounce back. He'll bounce back, but man. Oh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So good. if ever we it's were good. Ever, it's good. Ever, it's like taking a horse out back and shooting it. Basically, yes. But if ever we are to cover the live action Cowboy Bebop, um, actually, either version, uh, that's it. There's no more. There's yeah, no more. part of me wants no to cover more. both. Part of me wants to cover just the anime and pretend that the, ser- the live action never existed. We could also split the difference and just watch the Cowboy Bebop movie, uh, which is also pretty good. We could do that. If Very difficult to talk about the movie without talking about the show, I think. I feel like you don't really need any backstory um, on Ayn or Ed. I feel like those characters can just exist and you immediately understand them. Hmm. Yeah. I do. I oh, we'll, I'll, we'll have to think about it. I, di- I disagree with both. Those were sarcastic comments. Um, but yeah, uh, I believe that was nine. That was nine. Nine? Nine, nine. Yeah. Um, not the musical. Also, not the German word for no. The number. And not uh, what the uh, seagulls say or whatever the pigeons in Finding Nemo. Are Did they, they saying say mine? I don't even fucking know. I just uh, I, I saw nine. I'm like nine in my head. Fun trivia fact: uh, the soldiers in the Wait, original Wolf and, the soldiers in the original Wolfenstein uh, do not say "my God" when you shoot them. In German, they say "mein Leben." Um, and it's because uh, when they were creating the game, they're like, well, Nazis wouldn't believe in God. So they cry out for their lives when you shoot them. Why wouldn't they believe in God? Because weren't they, weren't, weren't they Christians? No, Nazis were very, no. He out, didn't he outlaw religion? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. I'm tired. And this has been World War II Corner. All right. So we will see you next time <laughs> on Game & Watch with Aaron and James. Uh, thank, thank you, Thank you very Aaron. much for listening.